0: Hey, this is Amanda Shore, and if you want to learn the six- and seven-figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my really good friend, Stacey O'Byrne.
1: If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness.
3: Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Amanda Shore. Amanda is a marketing executive with Melaleuca.com and the area director for Team Referral Network San Diego. And my favorite description for her are the adjectives. She considers herself short, sassy, and sincere, all adjectives that I emphatically agree with and love extensively about her. Her extensive theater background, both on stage and off lends her a unique perspective to networking and entrepreneurship. Amanda believes that overall health is vital to success of any kind. She has built her career on her passion for helping people grow their businesses and lead a healthier, more conscientious life. She enjoys working in such a beautiful place as San Diego with two great companies that support her working mama lifestyle. And I have to tell you all, three of her girls own my heart, almost (laughs) as much as my girls do. And I absolutely adore her loving husband. Hey, I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Amanda. I got to tell you the way this woman thinks will blow your mind. And really quick, If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or maybe you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, and your income to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, I know with three little girls and two businesses, you stay pretty busy. So I truly appreciate the fact that you've allocated time for us today.
0: I'm very excited to be here.
3: <laughs> so I, I'm really excited for our listeners to, to get to know you, you know, who you are, what you do. How has a theater advocate and junkie ended up in entrepreneurism?
0: Uh, the way that any entrepreneur ends up in entrepreneurism. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: okay. uh, I mean, the short story is I went to school, uh, went to college as and was a theater major and found a passion and a love for what telling stories does for people whether they're hearing it or the one telling it and when I graduated college I graduated into a recession where there were no jobs to be had despite the college degree I was promised would open up the doors to an endless future (laughs) Uh, so I kicked around a little bit at the school that I went to and ended up in Hollywood and Pasadena for a while stage managing which lent a lot of experience in working with different styles of people, coordinating a lot of logistics, finding creative ways to solve problems, uh, anticipate people's needs. And so with that kind of backstage knowledge, I was able to plug into business environments where I was doing the exact same things only with a business mind. So entrepreneurship for me has been a lot of anticipating people's needs connecting people and uh working out the logistics of things
3: nice so I would venture to guess that that working theater and working stages and being involved in Hollywood like that it's a lot like working with entrepreneurs from the perspective of we're always herding cats (laughs) Yes. so so you then moved from there what 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 attracted you to the entrepreneurial lifestyle? Uh, I had been looking into several multi-level
0: marketing options. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was getting married and moving to San Diego and I was leaving the comfort of the theater world that I knew and needed a job down here. Um, When I thought about ways to get out and meet people and be involved. That seemed like something I could do on my own time in a place where I didn't know anybody and it was a good way to meet people. So that's what attracted me to jumping into my own business, controlling my own schedule, uh, being able to kind of pursue the kind of people I wanted to
3: work with. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about the, the elephant in the room. You have three little girls, all really demanding and, you know, one of the things that entrepreneurs and business owners and parents struggle with is that harmony between work and life. And, you know, pre-pandemic, you did a phenomenal job. You know, you, you did an incredible job, including your kids in your work and, and separating the two and including the two. And then the pandemic happened. And then you became a parent, a teacher, and a business owner and still managed to find harmony. Granite, you might've pulled some hairs out looking. For <laughs> <them>. <laughs> uh, uh, more, more turned them gray than pulled
0: them out. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Parents.
3: <laughs> so, so how do you find that harmony? How do you, you stay sane with these three energetic young ones and, and growing and managing businesses?
0: There are three things that keep me sane. Yoga, caffeine, and a really awesome support system. Um, I just don't do it alone. I have never done it alone. Um, I have an incredible supportive husband who gave up his office today so I could talk to you in the quiet. Um, I have kids who are excited to see mommy work and know that if I get it done, I get to spend undivided attention with them. Um, I have a family who are always willing to help and pitch in and make sure the kids are taken care of and loved on so I can focus on what I love to do. Uh, it's, It's really not doing it alone and communicating what my needs are. When I'm in an environment where I know my kids might pop in, I just preface, I'm a working mom. You might see a kid pop in. If I have to hop off for a quick minute, just know I'll be right back and I'm you know, I'm taking care of business here. Mm-hmm. I think I got the grace of not being the only one in this situation. And so there are a lot of parents, both dads and moms, grandparents, uncles and aunts who are trying to keep all of the, the threads of life together in a pandemic situation.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: people are getting more used to seeing kids pop into screens and hearing them in the background. Um, so thankfully, I just wasn't the only one in that position.
3: hmm. One of the things that I really admired about you, even pre pandemic was if your girls wanted to come with you, you brought them, you know, for me, when, when Kiana was little, like uh, probably three memory serves me properly. One of yours is around that age. (laughs) Yep. Three in July. There you go. So, so when Kiana was three, I started taking her networking with me. And, and I made little business cards for her. And you know I, I listed her, I gave her a title of Director of Public Relations. I put my phone number, my email address on her cards. And she just went from person to person at the meetings. Do you know my mom? You don't, you should and then she would she would just hand out cards and then the next day my phone would flood with calls and texts and messages and anytime I answered they would get disappointed and they're like (laughs) I want to talk to the cute one so so what made you decide to involve them in your events and in your work and and how do they like it?
0: Uh, my mom modeled working with kids. So my mom was always a doer. So she was always the first to strap a kid on and do whatever you had to do. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of just the expectation was set. That's what I, um, was modeled for me was you don't, the kids don't slow you down. They're just part of what you're doing. So if you're cleaning the house, you've got a kid on your hip, it's just part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, but bringing them to meetings was you. I was pregnant when I said yes to working with you. and part of our conversation was okay but I'm I'm bringing a kid and you were like bring the kid uh and the reception that I received when I show up a meeting with this little cutie pie on my arm um it was just a really natural fit she loved slash loves it she misses us being in restaurants and getting to come and knows all of my uh, network people and when she hears your voice is that (laughs) Miss My middle one is a little bit too uh, energetic for those environments. And so she's very content to not come along in those situations. Uh, When I did try to bring her along, she decided she was gonna steal the show and talk right over me. So, you know, different personalities uh, responded differently to the environment, but they're really good sports and they definitely love now that I'm on Zoom that they can pop in and say hi, give Mm -hmm. mom a hug and then go back to whatever it was they were doing
3: yeah so if it's okay with you I'd love to introduce your girls we have is that okay sure
0: they're not with me to like see or anything I
3: know that's okay (laughs) we have Ellie Ellie is the oldest and Ellie is how old now she's going on six six yeah. yeah so Ellie's six and you know my 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 nickname for Ellie is scrunchy face and she was she, she's my kindred spirit. She's diehard introvert. And I got to tell you, she's really good at reading people. She really is. She's good. Yeah. And then we have Jax. Jax is uh, the mini me of Amanda. <laughs> she yeah, is
0: Always. <laughs>
3: she's the diehard extrovert and she's the one that's going to own the show direct the show produce the show and be the show and I look forward to our next live event handing her the mic and letting her take it over and she's going to be three right yep then we have Lauren. Lauren, I don't know that well because Lauren was pretty much born right at the pandemic, right around that time. And uh, haven't met her other than Zoom, but she kind of seems like a hybrid of the two. She really is.
0: She really is. She's one. So she was literally born uh, as hospitals were shutting their doors. We were heading into one. Um, and uh, she is only introverted in that that's what she knows Mm -hmm. Uh, because we were you know pretty isolated for a while um but she is the most quick to warm up to new people because that that's kind of been her experience Mm -hmm. uh and she's very very sweet like ellie (laughs) but also has the mischief and trouble of my jacks (laughs) <laughs> so, she keeps me on my toes.
3: <laughs> so, so being this this mompreneur, you know, being this the, this mom of three amazing, dynamic, very different girls, and and a business owner, and someone who helps entrepreneurs really believe in themselves and buy into themselves to grow their business. What what does success mean? to you, for you?
0: For me, success has been replicatable. So I feel like I am doing, doing something right. When I see someone model what I've given them, Mm -hmm. or when I see my kids playing what they've seen me doing, whether Mm -hmm. it's taking care of their baby or bossing each other around using my verbiage, Mm -hmm. uh, success for me has been am I taking other people with me
3: awesome so your husband um works with in in the family business Mm -hmm. right so so you both live a very entrepreneurial life What, what are the benefits and what are the obstacles of having an entrepreneurial family
0: well, I think just like uh, any family business, it, there's not really an off switch.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's a little bit trickier, especially he's always worked remote, even pre-pandemic. He's always worked out of the home. Uh, so the kids are used to him just being here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so it's tricky for us not to interrupt each other's days with whatever comes to mind or whatever's in my realm. And that's definitely an obstacle and that our neither of our careers are nine to five environments. So Mm -hmm. sometimes that means I have a mixer late at night. Sometimes that means he's got to leave town and be gone for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, with all three of our girls born kind of at funny times, he's had big work trips that lined up really closely. And so just navigating what it means to not have a a normal schedule, Mm -hmm. um, But the benefits have been on the flip side of that. He can take off a Friday and we can go to the zoo for the day. Or when I have a mixer in the evening, he can work his schedule around it so that he's got the kids and I'm on. So our kids have never been in the daycare environment. They've never been kind of uh, passed around, so to speak, to juggle that. We've really been in charge of our lifestyle and uh, been able to tailor it based on, you know, what we enjoy and how we wanna live.
3: Nice. Nice. So, so, what inspires you? What, what keeps you going and driving and and chasing that dream?
0: I think when I first became a mom, I kept wrestling with, okay, I'm gonna have to slow down now and really focus on the kids, and then and then I'll go, I'll pick back up again. And mm-hmm. I even had started to do that. And then I heard a woman who had reached a a really high milestone in Maluka, sharing that when she hit that milestone, they had this huge party and her son uh, was there. And when he went to give his speech, instead of being this like excited, so proud, yeah, we finally did it the way that she was feeling. He said, I really wish you wouldn't have slowed down and we could have been here so much sooner. Um, wow. And I just remember like, oh, it hit me in the gut that instead of instead of doing this, despite of them, instead of working around them, how do I use them to propel, to stay inspired, to stay motivated, to show them what they can do, mm-hmm. um, but also give us the life that we want. And so that that is my constant inspiration is how do I show them work in mama? How do I show them focused and helping people and doing what I'm passionate about, but also up all night with the baby, giving her all the love that she needs. And so that, that keeps me so focused on where I'm at in each moment of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, because it goes back to what I consider the success. Is it replicatable? Am I showing people that success isn't perfection? Success is doing it anyway.
3: Oh, I love that. You know, I, I, I tell people all the time that, if you're chasing perfection you'll never catch it because it doesn't exist if you pursue excellence and be the best version of yourself on a daily basis then you have something to measure and something to achieve and obtain every day Mm -hmm. so i love i love love how you just laid that out Mm -hmm. so so let's talk about comfort zone because Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion comfort zone is is what really hurts people and holds them back yet when they stay in there and experience the growing pains of staying too comfortable it's an opportunity for them to get lessons so that they can get out of it Mm -hmm. so how has the comfort zone how is staying in a comfort zone hindered you and how has getting out of a comfort zone helped you
0: I think being a comfort being in a comfort zone gives you confidence, right? So when you're when you're staying in your wheelhouse, when you're doing the things you know you're good at it's really easy to not fall into the imposter syndrome Mm because you're just, you're doing it. You're doing what you do. So there are environments when we do a success series, I step out. That is my comfort zone. I am so at home in front of people Mm -hmm. talking and goofing off and being sassy and sharing my sincere self, but maybe in an elevated energy. Um, And so being in my comfort zone there is a degree of thriving in that I am confident I'm secure. Uh, When I feel those growing pains is when I feel like I've hit capacity of that. Mm -hmm. So I I do it. And then I don't feel that sense of accomplishment at the end because it wasn't a stretch for me. That was, I could have done that with my eyes closed. Mm -hmm. So that's when I feel those growing pains and I know, okay, now I have, how do I stretch that? How do I elevate that experience and get out of my comfort zone to really, move past that. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually for me, that's being around people that I don't know, uh, sit me in front of a bunch of people who know me and want to be there. And I can talk all day about anything, Mm -hmm. but ask me to go find those people. And now I'm stretching outside of my comfort zone and the way that that, um, has been difficult is I find myself in an imposter syndrome. I don't have the credibility with them that I do with the people who know me, who asked to be in the room with me. So when I step into that room, I instantly have to create that credibility and then do whatever it is I was there to do. Um, And how that stretched me is it's had, me tap into what do I bring from my comfort zone with me Mm -hmm. to make this my new comfort zone and then to make the new comfort zone so that I am always finding a home where I'm at, but then moving out of it. So I kind of feel like, um, like a little sea creature with its shell, you know, I, I bring my shell with me for a while and then I outgrow it and I shed it and I find a bigger shell and then I fill that one. So being able to just kind of step in a little bit at a time, uh, has, stretched my comfort, uh, but then also stretched my ability to kind of overcome that imposter syndrome.
3: No, I love that. I love that. You know, you brought up imposter syndrome a few times and you know, imposter syndrome's a, a real thing and it affects all types. You know, I did an interview with, uh, with a really good friend of mine, Les Brown, you know, mm-hmm. just a small name. Uh, he was on my podcast, uh, I want to say like a couple months ago. And he even at times suffers from imposter syndrome. I remember him talking to me about when he stepped on stage in front of a hundred thousand people. And right when they pulled back the cur- curtain for him to walk out, he thought there was going to be a hundred people in the room. And when he stepped out and looked at, looked out and saw how many people were there the first thing that went through his mind was who are they here to see
0: (laughs) I totally get that
3: yeah so imposter syndrome right how how do you personally work yourself through that
0: um so I my husband was just teasing me about this this morning I was getting ready and he's like are you nervous I'm like yeah I'm nervous and he's like it's just that imposter syndrome Uh, (laughs) And what I told him is I've worked my butt off since I was a kid to be the youngest in the room at whatever it is I'm doing. I'm the first and the best at the soonest point possible. Yeah. But then I look around and I am the youngest in the room and then I panic. What the heck am I doing here? My first big break in theater. I remember I was called and offered the job and I thought, I, I can't do that. That's in Hollywood. I'm just, I'm just me um and so being able to to push against that is i worked my butt to be in the room and mm-hmm. so i'm in the room there must be a reason i'm here mm-hmm. and so i that's when i talk about bringing my comfort zone with me it's those the skills where i that i'm able to use when i'm in the comfort zone bringing them with me to kind of combat the imposter mm-hmm. so if it's uh I'm not as experienced as everybody else in this room well if I didn't have a level of experience I wouldn't be in the room with these people clearly so mm-hmm. I think I have something of value let's dig for that so then it kind of becomes a game how do I prove myself to myself mm-hmm. while also gaining credibility with these people
3: uh, I love that perspective so you brought it up you brought it up. You you you've worked really hard to be the youngest in the room. <laughs> I was looking for a way to bring your age into this. You know, it's funny. I I have a dichotomy of of people in my life, right? Uh-huh. It's just so diversified, and I I've got successful people in their twenties, successful people in their early thirties, and then I've got people on the other end of the spectrum that should be retiring. Uh-huh you know, from their age perspective, and they're starting over, they're, they're starting anew, they, they're like, you know, retirement is for field horses, I don't want to be put out the pasture to die, I want to thrive, and I mean, the, 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 I want to say the youngest, the eldest person I've ever had in training was 80 years old. Wow. Wow. And I know, and when she graduated, and she went all the way, all the way through all the trainings. And I mean, our one of our 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 last training, our trainers training is, is an intense environment. And bless her heart, someone walked up to her and said, why you do this? And she goes, why wouldn't I? because I can, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so being, being the, the youngest in the room and fighting to be the youngest in the room, how has your age helped you and how has it hindered you?
0: Uh, it, it's helped me because people don't see me coming. Mm. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to walk into a room full of doubters and have that imposter syndrome flare up just enough to really get me on my game. And then to deliver a training or to talk you know, one-on-one with somebody and watch the look on their face shift just a little bit. Oh crap, she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then to get the feedback afterwards. And that, I mean, I just, it drives me. It really does mm-hmm. because I know I am going to surprise them. Yep. Uh, and I love that. I love that. Uh, and then where it's hindered me, it's only really ever hindered myself um, because if somebody else was too blinded by my age, they weren't going to hear what I had to say anyway, cause there would have been something else. And yeah. so I think once I figured that out, um, my age is only a hindrance to me. Um, and when I can get past that, it's, it's of great benefit.
3: You know, um, talking about age when I was in corporate America and I was in my mid ish mid to latter twenties. I was responsible for approximately 500 salespeople, 32 profit centers. I traveled about 200,000 miles a year. Uh, There were regional and area area managers that uh, all worked for me, and every one of them were about as old as my grandfather. And I remember every time, every time I would walk into the room, the guy, all the men would just lean back, put their arms over their chest or on their bellies. Mm -hmm. And they would just look at me and go, we have forgotten more than you've ever learned. Right. Or, or did your mommy clean your nose before you walked into the meeting room? And, you know, just all stuff longer than you've been alive. Yeah, exactly. And then I remember just posturing in front of the room and you're right. It would feed the beast. Mm -hmm. It would turn around and ignite that that fire in me that drove me to obtain that position to begin with. And then I remember just owning it, just coming into myself, being who I know I am and just delivering and every one of them just sitting there enamored. (laughs) Now They would never admit it. Oh, of course. No, they would never admit it. However, they never, ever questioned any, any direction, any strategy, anything that I delivered. And I remember the very first time I met you, I was sitting next to someone, I believe it was Terry Lee.
0: Terry Lee. And
3: I leaned over and I said, Shh, I want her. She'll be, she'll be my next director. And for those of you who don't know, I own seven businesses. You guys know me as an NLP trainer. You guys know me as a speaker and as a coach. I also own multiple franchises, they're team referral network franchises, they're category exclusive, uh, professional business networking environments and Amanda runs my San Diego territory. So this was about eight years ago, maybe. Yeah, and I really want to I'm bringing this up because because this has to do with tenacity this has to do with stickability this has to do with meeting people where they're at to to create an environment that's successful for all involved and I remember having the conversation with Amanda and she wanted nothing to do with me <laughs> She wanted absolutely nothing to do with the position I was talking about me. And for the first time, you know, being as seasoned as I am in sales, as seasoned as I am in business and as seasoned as I am in networking, this was really the first time that I didn't instantaneously get my way. <laughs> I, <mean, laughs> I mean, for me to be told an emphatic no and have a door closed was a huge growth opportunity for me because it really made me step back and and really realize huh there when you really want something sometimes you get to work for it so then I had to ask myself what can I do to create a win-win environment and I believe it was like every three months every six months I would just poke at you drop a seed and you know, then, like a year and a half later, I turn around and ask you, "So, what do I have to do to earn, <laughs> to earn you aligning with me?" And, and you know, you kind of giggled and chuckled, and and I think it took three years, three years of really, of really honing in and focusing. And you know, what happens is most, most entrepreneurs, most salespeople. Most business owners give up. They, they just, they find the obstacle and they stop trying to figure out how to navigate it. Which this, this metaphor that, that I'm getting ready to share is ideal because of the, the fact that you are such a passionate mompreneur. Um, I did an interview with a gentleman months ago and he had uh, green eggs and ham over his shoulder. Now, being a sales trainer, I knew what that book was there for. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to, I really wanted, I was looking for a way to navigate it into the episode. So for those of you who don't know, Green Eggs and Ham is an incredible sales book. It really is. See, because Sam couldn't get the Grinch to eat Green Eggs and Ham. So instead of shoving it down his throat, shoving it down his throat, shoving it down his throat, he turned around and created every avenue possible that would potentially make the green eggs and ham appealing. Until at the very end, he did deliver a way that the Grinch would consider it. And when he did, he realized he liked it. So that was kind of the approach that I took with Amanda. <laughs> okay, how about in a boat? How about on the goat? How about on the floor? How about next to the door? <laughs> so, so let's. I, I'm sharing this with you because when I met Amanda, I knew I knew that that she had something that most don't and the tenacity and the stickability that I exercised in building the rapport with you, building the relationship with you, earning your trust is the same thing I watch you do with people on a continual basis. So I know that was a very long winded story to get to my question. Why do you think most entrepreneurs struggle? Why do you think most entrepreneurs quit because you just watched a huge fallout from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So why do you think most don't make it?
0: I think most don't make it because they don't believe in themselves. Mm. Um, they don't they don't see themselves past whatever hurdle they're in. And if they haven't aligned themselves with somebody who does, they they find themselves in a place where they cannot conceive anything, but what they're in the middle of. And so they can't push through it. Um, The reason your tenacity worked with me was you showed me belief in me. I said, no, because I didn't think I could do it. I knew what my comfort zone was. My comfort zone was being in my chapter and working with the people I knew and liked and trusted. Mm -hmm. What I wasn't comfortable with was going and trying to add people to that environment, which is what the director position kept asking me to do. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until you were able to align other people with me to show me, I believe you can do it, but because you don't let me team you up with other people who will help you and I will help you. And you gave me vision. I trusted you enough. We had enough rapport that I leaned into that. Mm -hmm. If, if I haven't surrounded myself with somebody like that, and I hit a really tough time, where do I have to go if I can't see it for myself and I haven't aligned myself with someone who can there's nothing for me to do so I think having a mentor or somebody who is either in the business or where you want to be in whatever your version of success is is really key to navigating that stickability the people who stuck were the people who were communicating with you and I through the process the Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs who stuck who stuck with us were the ones who communicated with us beforehand and trusted us enough to know that we could help them get their business through it. And so they stayed. Yeah. We built that rapport enough. Um, and being plugged into team, I believe was a huge part of that for a lot of entrepreneurs, having other entrepreneurs in the thick of it, aligning themselves, not in the same even industry, but just other people like-minded who say, this is how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm not going back to that life that I was before. That's not me. I have to make this work. So I'm going to show up, whatever that looks like. And being with other people who those were the stakes too. Um, they figured out a way to make it work.
3: Yeah, you know, i I know so many, even pre-pandemic, who got so close to their tipping point and then just stopped. You know, it's when when I come down and speak with the chapters and and, and I share one of one of my biggest lessons from the army was I learned what a hundred percent felt like. Mm-hmm. I learned what what never giving up felt like. And I also learned what it meant to not give up. And I also learned what it meant for some to give up, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I learned what 100% felt like. And I also, studies have shown that the average person caps out at 45% capacity. So when the going gets tough, you really hit a choice point do you get going? Or do you just stop and shut down? So we're coming out of pandemic hibernation, right? There are a lot of areas that are getting back to real live face to face networking, there are some that are doing the hybrid. And there are some that are that are still going to stay, you know, in the zoom environment for networking. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: You know, we, uh, we have, we have chapters all over the nation. There are some states that have been face-to-face networking for six months plus. Wow. I know we're, we're in California. <laughs> <laughs> Things haven't quite opened up yet. So, so what's your advice for these people who are getting back into it?
0: I think in any sales situation, the word that always comes up is the why right? So if you work with any kind of sales training, they always tell you find your why so that when things get tough, you know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. When you're making the sale, why are you, what is it about this that, that drives you? And I think as we get back into things, there's fear, there is hesitation, there is um, some mental health concern, there is a uh, kind of getting back with the, the, that feeling of loss and grief from what could have been, what should have been, what was. Um, and if to fully embrace just what's next, I think being driven by that why and tapping into, I am getting back into this because I believe this is the business for me. This is the life for me. This is what my family needs um, any of those hesitations are going to be a little bit easier to overcome. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So the, the mental health aspect, you know, Mm -hmm. I was talking to a a client this morning who, uh, is, is a doctor and we were talking about how people are starting to come out and, you know, she called it hibernation. She, Mm -hmm. she, she called it the, the pandemic hibernation. And they're they're having a hard time being motivated because, you know, they they lost their umph, they lost their drive, and they kind of hermited. You know, they can't they went internal into their shells. And, you know, you're a diehard extrovert. You know, you have absolutely positively no problem whatsoever moving through a room and meeting everyone however that that social connection has kind of been missing Mm -hmm. not not for all because some people got really smart some people really dug in and and leveraged the the online networking platforms and the zoom platforms however this face-to-face component how what's the best way for people to navigate getting back into it
0: i think the first thing they have to ask themselves is what what will make them feel comfortable with their person so if if it's that they're anxious about you know the virus or if they're anxious about uh just they're they're introverted by nature what is it that you need to feel comfortable before you even get into that environment Um, and then leading with that. So for me, it was, you know, I'm out of practice. I've been talking to my three kids and my family and not feeling like I've had intelligent conversations in a long time. So for me, it was reading more books. It was finding topics that excited me that felt like it gave me something grown up to talk about so that when I went back into a room, I had something to talk about that wasn't I potty trained my kid while I was in pandemic and had a baby. And this is what I did with my time. Um, And so for me, it was what makes me comfortable is feeling like I'm in touch with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I dove into Audible, and I've done nine books this year already, because Mm -hmm. that's what I needed to get comfortable to be able to get back out there. And so for me, um, it, it goes back to bringing a little bit of my comfort zone with me, so that I'm not just diving out into open water with no nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna set myself up for failure. I wanna stretch myself. Mm -hmm. I wanna grow, I wanna ease back in. And so I just, what's one thing that makes me feel confident? What's one thing that I know if I get weird or uncomfortable or anxious in a situation, I can just hang on to? What's my security blanket? that I can just bring with me, tuck in my pocket, so no one sees it, Mm -hmm. and then go forward.
3: Mm -hmm. I love that. So, so, you know, for me, it's, it's really understanding that, that we, we don't have to be solopreneurs. Our choice Mm -hmm. is to be an entrepreneur and to have the ability to surround myself with like-minded people who are showing up to help each other, help each other, and know that I'm not alone and I can do it with people instead of by myself really excites me because, you know, I have that whole hero archetyped thing. So I like helping people. And when it becomes a win win by me helping people, and then in return, they want to help me, what could be better than that? Yeah. That really helps me get out there. So, you know, you've become this, this networking queen, right? How, how do you define networking and how can people really grow their business through networking?
0: Oh, such a good question. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, networking is so natural. It is just something like, it is like breathing to me. And I think it's because to me, networking is connecting. Networking is just saying there's this thing over here and there's this thing over here and those things go together. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And so when I walk into a room full of people and I talk to this person over here and I talk to that person, like just the light bulb goes off. You need to meet this person. And because I like to meet needs, I like to help. uh, Networking has just been using that and making those connections. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think when you are trying to build your business or trying to succeed, aligning yourself with people who, um, I mean, and you don't even have to align, like just walking into a room full of strangers. If you walk in with, how can I help somebody in this room? If that is your goal, if you just walk in looking for one need to meet, I guarantee you'll find one. Mm -hmm. And when you meet that need, that person, it's going to lend you credibility and make a connection that they weren't expecting because most people want what's in it for them. So for you to come in and meet that need, you've immediately created an impression in them, some credibility, some rapport, uh, and then you've become a resource. And I'll tell you, a great salesperson is a really good resource because whether it's something I sell or I don't, I'm the one they come to ask for because I'm constantly just trying to meet the needs. Mm -hmm. What are the needs of the room? And that harkens back to my theater background. How do I anticipate the need of whatever room I walk into? Mm -hmm. And that's networking for me, walking into the room and looking for the need.
3: So what's your piece of advice for that entrepreneur, that, that sales professional that says networking doesn't work?
0: After I laugh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if they say it doesn't work, my response is then you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, because the people that say it don't work are the people that take a a stack of a hundred business cards and go to a chamber event and they get rid of all their cards and then they come back and they haven't made a
3: sale.
0: (laughs) Those are the people who I hear say, well, networking doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, my advice is to focus on a relationship. You know, in our team chapters, we give them an opportunity to share a testimonial, a highlight or a referral. And my favorite thing to teach them is your response is never, I don't have one of those things today. My response is, if I don't have a connection, I'm going to make one. If I don't have a referral to give, I'm going to meet with another member one-on-one and learn something new about them. I am always going to find a way to make a different connection. Mm -hmm. And so my, my push to them is you are too focused on what you are getting out of that environment. What have you given to that environment? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you taught me early on is if I ever had a member who was, not seeing the success they needed or who claims that it didn't work is let's go back to the basics what have you contributed to the environment you're in Mm -hmm. what have you done um who have you benefited by being in that space Mm -hmm. and if the answer is nobody then it's really kind of easy to track why you haven't gotten anything back either
3: yeah that's you know that that's a great point because we're the common denominator in everything in our life. So if it's not working, it's typically best to look at ourselves. Unless, of course, you're getting you're not getting results or you are getting results elsewhere. Then it's important to look at the environment. However, what I see is most people are the common denominator because of their strategy deployment. Like uh, the, the the next question I wanted to ask you is what advice can you give to that? net seller, the net chatter, Mm -hmm. the net vomiter, the net socializer, the, the, the people that show up in the environments to do everything but connect and work.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I mean, if I'm being really frank, my, my most sincere question is what are they afraid of?
3: Yeah. So I was going to say you did market yourself as being short, sassy, and sincere. (laughs) Be frank. (laughs)
0: Uh, my question is what are they afraid of? I mean, those people have a wall up that's 10 feet tall. When they walk into that room, they don't make eye contact there. There's no sincerity on their part. What are they scared of? Is it that they don't believe in the product that they're selling? Is it that they don't believe the service they provide is really going to change my life? Mm-hmm. Or is there something personal that they're dragging into whatever environment they're in? Cause whatever it is, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question is, what's, what's the deal? Like, what is it that's holding you back from letting that wall down a little bit and making a connection?
3: Mm-hmm. What about the person that comes in and vomits and sells their stuff to everyone and then gets mad because nobody buys and then just starts banging that networking doesn't work?
0: Uh, that's usually where we we go back to, this isn't a buyer's circle. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that's what you want, then this is just not that environment. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that it doesn't do that thing. You can't take a hammer to a screw and say it doesn't work. It's not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy.
0: But right, like if, yeah. if, if I pick up a tool and I say, I'm going to make it do this thing yeah. and it doesn't magically do the thing I require of it, mm-hmm. because that's not what it was built to do, yeah. then it's not the environment failing me. It's the way that I'm using the environment. So earlier you said if they are in a different environment and that environment's working, well, yes, but what are they doing in that environment that's different than what they're doing here? Often yeah. they're applying themselves differently. They're yeah. showing up differently. They're spending a different amount of time and that they like these people more. So they're excited and show up and are energetic. And in this room, they're on their phone or checking email or don't have their camera on in the Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. Like we can't see that you're reading your email right now on the camera, come on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) you, you brought up a phenomenal point that when you're in a networking environment, you're there to connect, you're there to cast a net out to find people that you can build a relationship with who share a similar target market earn their no like and trust so that they can open up their database to you and connect you to people who have a need want and desire for your product service and solution now does that mean that they could buy they could it doesn't mean they won't, it may mean that they insert themselves because they have a need, want, and desire. However, when you avoid going into these environments selling and you go into these environments for relationship building and serving, the environments end up working for you tenfold. If you're going into an environment to, to sell, pick up the phone and start cold calling. Mm-hmm. Start door knocking because you really right- have better luck. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I love that analogy. So I want to switch gears and and I want to talk about sales a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, what's the difference between selling and closing?
0: I think it's between the pitch and the meeting of the need. So if I'm selling, I'm pitching to you. I am trying to convince you of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's selling my kids on the food I want them to eat or telling my husband, this is the restaurant or the movie that I want. And so I, I got to pitch it. I got to sell it, baby. Right. Like I, there, there's, there's, um, there is a self, uh, what is the right word? It, it's for me when I'm selling. It's for me. Mm-hmm. The, the end result is all about me. I'm going to make that sell. Mm-hmm. When I close somebody, I, I have seen or they have communicated that whatever it is I have is something that they need or want or desire.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's just helping them cross to the finish line. And that's about them.
3: Love that answer. Yeah, for me, it's selling is delivering a, a candid presentation that is it's just canned it just it it doesn't fit anything you're just you're just doing what the industry and and the business says you're supposed to do with your prospective client closing is really where you have worked on building the relationship, you have the rapport, you understand their needs, wants and desires, their pain points. You understand how your product, service and solution really benefits them, solves it, helps them. And you also know that you are the best, the expert to to solve that problem. And then you just move them through their decision-making process and then ask for the order. See, so many people think that that assuming the order or assuming the sale means not to ask for it. You know, newsf- newsflash, the, the, the brain needs a call to action. Right. And so many salespeople leave money on the table because they don't, they don't ask. So it's as easy as making sure that, that you understand the pain points, filling them, and then closing the the order asking for the sale it's that easy
0: right and to go back to you know that you asked earlier how does my theater background play in it's moments like this because the phrase that pops into my head is don't act react And the difference between selling and closing is whether you're putting on an act or reacting to the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm just waiting for them to finish what they're saying, so I can deliver my portion of this conversation, all I've done is sell to you. Mm -hmm. But if I've listened and heard you and am reacting to the information you've given me, now I am closing you.
3: I love that. So what's the best advice that you can give someone just starting out or restarting or someone who hasn't achieved the level of success yet. Because I think that advice can accommodate all three of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I think first and foremost is get a mentor or somebody who who sees belief in you, whether it's a spouse or somebody else in the industry or somebody that's just at a level where you want to be. Align yourself with somebody on your worst day. When you text them, I can't do this. Of course you can. Like it's yeah. just without a doubt because there will be a day when you don't have enough belief in yourself. It it, it just will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, to have somebody you've aligned yourself with that you trust, so that when they say yes you can, they're not this person on the street that you don't know who's saying you can do it.
2: Right.
3: It's somebody
0: that you know in your core. They know me. They know my capabilities and what I can do, and they know I can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know
0: I can do it because I've aligned myself with them because I trust them. Cause I know in my deep, 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 I can do it, but sometimes I forget.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I tell our chapters, uh, the other thing you want to align yourself with is you want to do the side of the road test. So if you were on the side of the road, could you call that person to come pick you up mm. without hesitation?
3: Yeah.
0: Like, could you? Because I know in my personal team chapter, and honestly, most of the area, there is not a soul I could call and say, me and my three kids are on the side of the road. Could you come get me?
3: I'd be there in 50 minutes.
0: And takes, well, you got some traffic there, friends. I think. Depends. It
1: needs water.
0: Um, but. If I've done that, if I've, if I, if everybody in that room knows that I would drop anything and go grab them off the side of the road, if I'm the kind of person that they know they can call, Mm -hmm. I've created relationships and credibility. There's not much they wouldn't do for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so being the kind of person who people know they can call on to pick them up on the side of the road will position you in any room to be a resource. Um, somebody that they can count on both in business and personal, and that will make you stand out in the entrepreneur world.
3: No question. I love that. And I'd like to expose the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin is there's people out there that say they will do it and won't.
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: So, So use sensory acuity, use discernment, especially with everybody coming out of the pandemic and everything there are, there are a lot of evolutions coming out of this environment. And some of them are amazing and filled with servitude. And some of them are, (sighs) yes, yes, not so amazing and filled with desperation. So make sure that you're really in tuned with your BS sniffer, and your gut checker and really listen to your intuition because there's people out there, You know, when people are desperate, they do desperate things. The double dip of the recession, as you guys know, I got hit really hard by a business partner. Well, I met, this, I met that said business partner right after 9-11. And my gut told me something wasn't right and I chose not to listen to my gut. So I'm gonna tell you, if your gut tells you something's not right, it's not right smartest brain you have is your gut. So welcome to the signature question of the show, Amanda. And the signature question of the show is what does selling without selling mean to you?
0: It means connecting. It means just meeting the needs very early in my sales training was taught, if you're afraid of being salesy, you won't be salesy because in your core, if that's not who you are, if that's not what your goal is, my goal isn't to sell. My goal is to meet the need to help people to, um, connect this to that. That's what I will do every time. Um, so yeah, just, just, uh, connecting, meeting the needs.
3: Perfect. So welcome to the random realm. See, I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to ask our, our expert guests questions so that our listeners can say, Hey, I want to try that out and then insert into themselves. So I'm curious, what's your favorite book and why? Oh, this is so hard. You can it's always so tell hard. an avid reader because because you ask them that question and they're like, well, I have like 10,000 favorite books, wait. Yeah, because it's like, is it my favorite book right now? Is
0: it my favorite book on business or self-development? I think the book that best represents my outlook on entrepreneurism is The Go-Giver. Hmm. Um, and just the, the heart of, Why are you in this environment? What is it that you're doing and just um, just really kind of presenting yourself in that way. Um, But my most recent favorite book is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I haven't read it. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you, she is the epitome of like her. And I don't see eye to eye on every single thing. And that's what makes it so good is I can look at it and say, well, I totally don't buy that, but man, are you dead on, on this? And so oh. I, it's an excellent read. Um, if you're an audible kid like me, she narrates it on, uh, she reads her own book and I love those. Cause I feel like you really get the heart of what they're trying to say mm-hmm. when they narrate their own books. Um, so yeah, untamed is excellent and right now i'm in the middle of um mel robbins
3: take control of your life and i'm loving that too so awesome awesome so my next random round question and this is my last one is what is your favorite word and why
0: sunshine
3: hmm yeah how come
0: because ever since i was little uh when i have walked into a room and been seen. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I have either been called sunshine, or it has been referenced around me. Mm -hmm. And it has given me a vision of what I want to be when I walk into a room, Mm -hmm. because it brightens the room, it draws people in, it's a little bit contagious, it's got energy, it's active. um, And it's hard to not engage with you can't just ignore me when I walk into a room and if ignore I, the sun
3: that's for sure <laughs>
0: um and yes there. are like if I were to go deep into it I could make it like a really negative thing but I don't because I believe um that that being sunshine is a really good thing um mm-hmm. and so and we we seek out sunshine you know you watch a plant bend its entire body to reach the sunshine and so uh that word it makes me smile I can't say it without smiling um, my girls call each other their sunshine uh, It's been a nickname from different people in my life at different times I'm related to the other people who have called me that It's almost like a goal like can I be the sunshine in the room that I walk into so I, I love that
3: word there's just nothing about that word I don't love I love that now I, do you realize how many times I've called you sunshine in I text and I do and I never knew that I do. I <laughs> so. Do. So, you know, I,
0: I, it resonates every single time, every single time you say that it's like, she knows me. I feel seen. I feel loved. And like that, you are um, affirming me even when you don't know it.
3: Yeah. I love that. You know, it's funny because being a speaker, when, when I come off stage, people will, will come up to me and go fellow speakers they'll go I don't know how to follow that I I -hmm. don't know how to follow that or right before I go up on stage they're like hey can you tone it down some because (laughs) they're hard to follow and and you know even even some some fellow co-trainers have have told me uh you're you're really hard to hold space with on a stage and my response to that is it's my responsibility to be of service to the environment and the only way I can do that is to shine as bright as I can be, mm-hmm. to, to let my light be a beacon. It's not my responsibility to dim my light. It's your responsibility to brighten yours. Because if we all show up to be the brightest beacon that we can be, can you imagine what this world would be like?
0: Well, and I'll just say that those people don't know you very well because I have never been in a room where I've had to speak before you, with you, or after you, where I didn't feel like you pulled me with you, with your light, you've shined the way, you've paved the path. So uh, they are, um, they are mistaken, my friend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, so Amanda, I, I have to tell you, it's been phenomenal having you on the show today and I really enjoyed our conversation And if our listeners want to reach out to you, connect with you, follow you, get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Well, we've mentioned many times I have littles. So email is really a great way to go. And uh, I can then work out the best way to communicate going forward after that. So um, and your email address. Um, It's Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A, S-H-O-R-E, short, M-K at gmail.com. So nice and easy, first and last name, mk at gmail.com.
2: Fantastic. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least. I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy That's pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you.